Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan. I am joined by one of my dear friends, Maggi Qatar Ali, who I have been fortunate enough to know now for 27-ish years, which is insane. Um, and so the funny thing about Maggi is, so briefly in 2019, Maggi and I did a little fitness podcast together. And then I got way too much into baby season and had to stop. And then right before we went into lockdown, you and I actually did record a podcast together that I never released because it is insane to me that something you and I that record something that we recorded in the end of February could be so outdated to today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, a lot has happened since February. So much has happened. And that's why I never aired it. And like, I felt bad for not airing it. But I was like, I feel like you and I need to have like a whole different discussion at this point. Yeah. So that's why, first of all, that it hadn't aired yet. But Maggie has been one of my dear friends since actually kindergarten. Some people say, oh, you never are still friends with people from kindergarten. Yes, In you this are. case, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> if you have quality people in your life, you're still friends. So you're actually in your closet right now. Is that what you told me? Yes. Thank you for calling me out. <laughs> it's okay. Listen, that, again, that's part of the quarantine life. I have been on Zoom meetings with people who are doing it from like their bathroom, from a closet, from their... I have to hide from my family. <laughs> I, I locked the bathroom door. I'm in... I have like my bathroom and my closet is in my bathroom. And you know how it is. They, they're allowed and needy. To be fair, I literally just shooed my son away. He opened the door and he felt the microphone <laughs> in my hand. And I was like, no, go away. Because they know if I have the microphone in my hand, please stop. So yeah, it is It is one of those things. So I wanted to, you, you and I used to focus on fitness and stuff like that, which clearly Maggie, Maggie is a registered dietitian. Like fitness and more so nutrition is literally your career, your education, and we will get there. But there's yeah. a lot that comes before that. Yes. So I want to take this back to the magic I knew in kindergarten, Aww. which is <laughs> quite the rewind. So tell me about your family because your upbringing, your family, where you started here in Southern Indiana is not necessarily the same way that I started in Southern Indiana. Yeah. So the way I started in Southern Indiana is actually very different from where most people in Southern Indiana started. And so I'll just, I'll just take it way back. Um, my mom and dad were born and raised in Palestine. And my grandfather was actually in the World War, which is what allowed us to be American citizens. So my mom and dad, like many people in other countries, wanted a better life. And so when they got married at a very young age, like my mom was still a teenager um, when they moved to America, they decided after having their first son, my older brother, we're going to move to America and we're going to have a better life. And, um, our kids are going to get, you know, an education, both my mom and dad, actually, my mom didn't go past the eighth grade. My dad didn't go past the sixth grade because in Palestine where they're from, it's actually a third world country and they had to stop going to school in order to help, you know, put food on the table for their family. So like my, the way I was raised, things that were talked about at my dinner table were very different than probably a lot of the people I grew up with be because of those things just within itself. Um, 
So my mom and dad moved to America and they proceeded to have, you know, five more children, all of my siblings. And somehow they landed in Georgetown and before Georgetown, Indiana. So before my mom and dad, you know, bought a house and, you know, really put their roots down. uh, My mom was insistent on finding like the best school system. And so that's why we landed in Floyd County. She knew, I guess she did her homework and she found out that, you know, Galena Elementary and Floyd Central High School are fantastic schools. And she wanted to make sure we excelled and had opportunities that her and my dad didn't have. So that's where it all began. You're, I, I remember like <laughs> growing up, you're actually a twin, yeah. which I feel like is also something that that's, you were, I think you were the first set of twins like I ever knew. I know, know that oh, sounds wow. silly, but I met you in kindergarten. So like my earliest memory of anybody being a twin is you and your brother. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I, I don't even think about it, to be honest. <laughs> well, you guys don't live in the same city anymore, do you? No, Majid actually lives in Bloomington, Indiana now. My Majid, my twin brother, is a doctor for IU Med. Oh, wow. I know. He's so fantastic. <laughs> Your brother is fantastic. I graduated <laughs> with both of them again. I've known this family for a long time. And actually, you brought up being raised in Georgetown. And one of my other best friend's houses growing up was right down the road from you back in that subdivision. And I know your parents still live there. But I can remember, like, I would drive by and Christy would be like, oh, and that's where Maggie lives. Oh, she lives yes, in that house. Christy. Yeah. <laughs> we would play. We would play together. When you would go, when it's, life, I, when I just don't sim- even think about this anymore. Wait, life was so simplistic. You would just go ride bikes with people around the neighborhood. Yes. And like, that was a fun Saturday afternoon. But yes. you bring up, your parents are insanely hard workers. Your family, your siblings, they're wonderful. But growing up in Southern Indiana and in parts of Southern Indiana, there definitely can be a lack of diversity. And yeah. did you feel that growing up? Um. I didn't feel it until I started elementary school um, because the kids in my neighborhood, you know, who are still actually I'm really close to today as an adult, they never really made me feel any certain way. Um, and then growing up, my mom and dad own a grocery store and it's the, their grocery stores in a predominantly black neighborhood. And so I actually spent a lot of my childhood at that store because my mom and dad didn't have childcare. So my twin brother and I would actually go to work with my parents and we would hang out there and we were around um, the black community for a very long time. And then, you know, we became school aged and we started going to school at Galena Elementary School where I don't think I saw a black person anymore until maybe middle school. I don't remember. But um, So anyways, my twin brother and I were the diversity. And that was the first time I ever really, like, realized that. And it wasn't so much our skin color necessarily. It was for some reason people just knew we were different and I didn't know how. Um, But I will never forget being in second grade and this kid who, by the way, we both know, but he didn't, he didn't mean anything by it. He's, he probably would feel so bad now if he realized this, but he told me I didn't believe in God. And I said, what? Like, you know, uh, and, and I was in second grade. So it's really, really hard to like, as a second grader, be able to discuss that, you know, in a very articulated way. So I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, you're Muslim. Muslims don't believe in God. And I remember being so confused, like nobody had ever said that to me before. 
And meanwhile, I go to Sunday school every Sunday where we very much learn about God and talk about God. My mom and dad are so faithful and they pray multiple times a day like many Muslims do. So I was really that's that's the start of it. I mean, as a second grader, I mean, like, I can't even imagine, like, honestly, my biggest woe in second grade was one of our classmates. I had really short hair at the time saying I looked like a boy. Like, that literally (laughs) was like the drama of my second grade experience. And so for for you to have to somehow contemplate religion or how your religion was different, because I feel like for you, you probably didn't notice anything, but like, not at all. It never would have occurred to me to say to somebody, you don't believe in God. And I, I just, I just never, I don't know what other religions teach and I don't know what maybe this kid's parents taught, but my parents never said anything of that nature. You know, we always learned about, you know, just the positivity of what religion can give in your life. And as a Muslim going to Sunday school as a kid, we learned about all of the religions in a very positive way and how we actually learned about how they're all actually very interconnected, especially, you know, Judaism and Christianity and Islam. Like they're all very much interconnected. And that's, that's what I always knew. So I was just, I remember being in second grade, I was like, really confused. I'm like, that's not what I learned. Well, and what's strange is that how does a second grader, I didn't, I didn't personally even know what, like what, um, what Muslim was. So that had to have been something that they learned about in their home. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was saying. Like my mom and dad, or even my Sunday school never spoke to us in that sort of way. They never said other, they never really spoke about other religions in a negative way. So I'm just, that's basically it. You know, this kid obviously was exposed to something, some sort of idea. um, And he thought it was right. Growing up, did you ever like feel the need that to almost like hide your heritage? 100%. Yes. All the time, all the time. I remember, Um, I'm just now I'm 33 years old and I'm just for the first time in my life, openly speaking and saying the words, I am Muslim and I'm not, I'm not scared to say it anymore. And I, that might sound a little dramatic, but, um, I always knew the connotation that went along with being Muslim. I always knew the questions that would follow if I said my parents were Muslim. I always just knew all the things, all the baggage that I didn't want to deal with or, you know, always clarifying that we're not terrorists. Like, it's just exhausting. And I remember for a good part of my 20s, I used to tell people, um, I'm not a religious person. I'm just very faithful. But meanwhile, back at home, back in my life, I'm actually praying to God and, and speaking to, you know, our prophet and, and, and I never would tell people. I think I told my sister once that I actually pray to our prophet and Jesus Christ, because I don't, I don't want to explain it to people. I, that I, I can understand in a way based on think of what's happened in our generations that you would suddenly be like the, the negative stereotypes that people have towards Muslim in general, which are ridiculous, but yeah. that's what was being put out there. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, we were in ninth grade when 9-11 happened. Can you imagine? Exactly. (laughs) That's all the world knew, especially in Southern Indiana, where kids were not around other cultures. 
So all of a sudden, my twin brother and I were like the poster child for either the good Muslims or the terrorists. Uh, I hate you know, that and the Patriot Act that. and all of it. Like all of this stuff is so exhausting and it just weighs so heavily. And I just remember thinking, I don't, I just want to be in ninth grade. Do you feel relieved now that you are saying the words, I am Muslim? Yes. I feel like a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders. I feel like we are finally in a day and age where I don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed. Um, And like, I feel like people are becoming more, I don't know, awakened by things that are different than them. And I, and like, you know, a lot of the people we grew up with, I don't think they meant harm at all. I, I really do think it was a lack of exposure. Um, and I just can't emphasize enough that even though they didn't mean harm, it's still exhausting and it still weighs very, very heavy on people. I bring up your husband, Zach. So how does Zach feel about everything? Like he obviously loves you for you without oh, question. Yeah. supporter. He's fantastic. I mean, Zach is the most kind and patient individual. But the thing is, when I started dating Zach, I didn't even say, you know, do you want to be a Muslim? Like, that's not how it works. But uh, instead, I said, are you ready to date my whole family? Because we have the most um, involved, nosy family. And I like to compare us to the movie my big fat Greek wedding if you've seen it like they are in your business um and that's just part of the culture and zach initially he was like i don't really know what you mean but now you know we're married 10 years later he's like oh yeah i definitely know what you mean (laughs) like (laughs) don't expect privacy expect to drop in visits randomly um expect sunday dinners because that's what it's gonna be like Uh, but Zach is just, he's just fantastic. But, um, something that I don't know, let me know if you can relate to this or if hopefully anybody who's listening can relate to this, but I don't know if this is normal, but other people would ask us what religion we're going to raise our children. What? Right. Has that, has anybody ever asked you that? No, that is what I'm talking about. That is a problem. That's none of your business. (laughs) You know, like that should not be a question I should ever have to answer to anybody. That's the only person that that affects is Zach and our our children. Why? That's just a common question. That is in Zach. I will tell you what nobody has ever asked him. Ugh. Zach is so aware. He's so aware of the things I deal with. And, and, I, and it, I've made him aware, you know, being with me, he's seen things and experienced things that he's never had to before me. And for those listening, my husband is just, you know, he's a, a, a wonderful white male, <laughs> <laughs> you know, to clarify. <laughs> he is a wonderful white male. Um, fit. Um, very fit. Very, very fit. Eats, eats pizza. still has. Six oh, packs. my God. Literally, he's just a pizza holic. <laughs> that is that is Zach. He's just one of those people that can eat candy and still have a six pack. <laughs> But that's why you love him, that you love him for it. I mean, he makes me laugh a lot. And that is key. That is 100% key. You are such a smiley, 
laughing person. Like you live to laugh. I and- love it. Somebody at work called me sunshine the other day and I was like, oh my God, that's such an awesome compliment. Heck yeah. And you so want to be the one that is. It's hard to talk about this stuff because it's serious. Well, we don't have to necessarily stay down the serious train. I just think like when people ask you, what religion are you going to raise Sloan? It always like, I don't think people necessarily mean malice behind it, but it's like, that's it's part rude. of the awakening of 2020, like rise yes. out of your body and realize yes. what you're asking them. And so realize. part of, part of the rising is, and part of the video that I made is quit putting that, that burden on me, put, quit putting that burden on people of color and black people and do your own homework. It's, it's very exhausting for people like me to constantly have to educate others. And that's, right. that's the thing. Um, now I will say like, I get that this is exhausting to talk about, but I'm here for it because it's so important. Sometimes I just, I can't, I can't. And that's, I can't. And that's my mood towards 2020. It's just, I can't. It is exhausting. Yeah. Sometimes I just have to put my phone in timeout. Because due to my job, I have to read so much stuff all day long. And I just have to put it away because otherwise I start getting sad for humanity. Um, At the same time, there are so many things that I think are silver linings out of 2020. And I mean, I know you and I have discussed this too. Just being able to be home with our families um, has been, while also exhausting and stressful, has been one of the most rewarding experiences to be around my baby every single day to not have to use my breast pump every single day. I was just thinking that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's one of the biggest things to actually just watch my kids grow. And even though sometimes I'm holed up in my office, they can just open the door and come in and chatter with me, come and sit next to me. Like there are certain pieces of 2020 that I do think will end up making the world a much better place. Absolutely. It's forced us to slow down whether we like it or not. Right. I'm on team like it, though. Like, I love being home with my family. Um, I was furloughed for like 12 weeks. And initially, that was so scary for me because I was worried about my job. But I am thankfully back at work. But I will forever cherish that time I had where I was literally forced to stay home with my family. Like, to me, that was a gift. You bring up 12 weeks, which is typically the maternity. Well, that's the... That's the blessing of a long maternity leave. Yeah, that's a long one. <laughs> I was going to say, if you get 12 weeks. Yeah, uh, me and you, I don't think got 12 weeks. I never have taken 12 weeks. With my third this year, I had, I took 11, just shy. Uh-huh. And I was at work for like six weeks before we went back on lockdown. So I've basically been in some sort of like at home state with the kids since November. Um, mm-hmm. So it has been very difficult for me to, for instance, I don't get ready very often. I've barely had to get ready <sighs> since last November. Um, I've barely worn makeup since last November outside of that six weeks I went back to work. I mean, it's, it's just so weird. I'm just like, it's different. And when I put my, it, yeah. And when I put makeup on and do my hair, I'm like, Oh, I remember her. Yes. It's, you feel kind of fancy. I feel super fancy in weird <laughs> and also rubbing my eyes and smearing makeup all over my face. Cause I'm not used to it. So it is, it is a, um, I think a needed slowdown for a lot of people, even though it's kind of scary. It's, oh, not kind of scary. It's a hundred percent scary. Yeah. A lot of the time. Well, but, still acknowledging um, that not everybody had the blessing of being able to slow down. And so I do no. think it's important to like say thank you to the people who ha- basically kept us afloat because it's, this year has been crazy. Crazy. 
crazy. Absolutely like it's insane. just nothing has been predictable whatsoever. And I think that's the thing that has made my anxiety the worst this year is that there isn't, you can't predict the future. You can't make a plan. You can't make plans with people. You can't plan a party. Like you can't say, Oh, we're going to go on this vacation. Like all of it is so up in the air. And I think that's what makes my brain go crazy because I'm like, I need something. And so all I I agree with you look around my house and my kids and I'm like, okay, that's what I can rely on today. Like that's something I can do. And I've gotten to the point with my kids. Like if, even if we're planning, literally our idea of an adventure is like, we're going to go get ice cream in the drive-thru. Like I, or if, I will not tell them until like day of, because I'm like, if something changes, I don't want to disappoint them. So anymore, I don't tell them about things until we're basically doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's been me trying to protect them. Although I a hundred percent think the kids are handling this better than the adults. Yeah, as my son thinks, this is just like Disneyland every single day. Your husband is a teacher, so he's been home, correct? Yeah. And how is he feeling about the back and forth roller coaster of back to school? He is so thoroughly confused. Uh, <laughs> he yeah. Is confused because I know a lot of parents are wondering what is going to happen. What's the plan? Teachers are wondering the same thing. So my husband's a teacher and my sister is a teacher, both for Floyd County. And they're all, they're just wondering, like the parents are wondering. And, and, you know, my sister is also a parent of a school age child as well. We're all thinking, what is going to happen? How are we going to do this? I mean, I did talk to one of my teacher friends the other night because I was just, I was in tears because we made the decision to have to keep our kids in virtual learning um, to protect my dad because we're in a multi-generational home and my parents live here. My dad lives here and my, or my grandfather. And I had to do that. I was like, it is, I have to protect them. And I was super upset about it. So I called one of my teacher friends and she was like, well, you don't really know what's going on either. We kind of figure things out day to day, week to week too. And I was like, I don't know if that makes me feel better that I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, But I guess it does. (laughs) But the thing is, if your school is saying they don't know what's going to happen, they don't know how they're going to follow CDC guidelines and whatnot. That doesn't, that doesn't make me lose faith in them. I know they're trying, um, but for your sake specifically, and my, my mom and dad too, my mom and dad have all sorts of health problems that we have to be mindful of. And I say that because my sister is obviously a teacher. Um, you just have, if you know, if they don't know, then what you do know is if you keep your kids home, at least they're going to be safe from what might happen. And I know there's, you know, huge debates of just send them back, you know, well, I'm not willing to risk my family's health, my mom and dad's health for just the urgency or the rush to go back to what people consider normal, because this is scary. Well, and that's the other thing to the people, to the parents who need to send or want to send their kids back in person and they feel safe. Like I'm not, I'm not judging them either. Like that's, if, if you're not around like uh, parents who are at risk and stuff like that, or maybe you're working full time and you don't know what to do. And like, you don't have care oh, and like yeah. you need schools to be back. Oh my I totally get that. And yeah. that's why this is not a win-win for anybody. It's not a win for anyone because I think we can all collectively agree. We all wish we were back in school like normal. Absolutely. The teachers, like the kids, oh the yeah. 
my heart goes out to parents who like don't know what to do if we go all virtual 100%. And like Zach has employees for the school system and he's worried for them and their job security. He's advocating. He's like, I want them to be able to have a job. And, and so there's so many factors you've got to consider. There's, there's not an easy solution to this. And so the fact that you have anxiety about it is so normal. We all have anxiety about it. Nobody knows what to do. No. And it, it, I know I'm not alone. And I know that I've seen a lot of people all of a sudden like saying that if you accidentally broke down crying today, if you accidentally did with this and, and then they start listing out everything our brains have had to try to comprehend in one year. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I would say we're all in a very normal state together of just on a fine line of crying, screaming, going to sleep or smiling at all times. <laughs> I've binge watched a lot of TV. I've slept in. I've also gone back to work. I'm tired now. I'm trying to navigate. Well, my husband feels like he's on vacation. I'm still working. Um, I have to basically completely undress as soon as I get home to put my scrubs in the washer so I don't potentially infect my family. There's just so See, much that's stuff. the difference between me and my husband. So I'm working from home in my PJs and sometimes I don't change them for 36 hours at a time, <laughs> which is great. And Brian will come home and he'll be like, uh, did you change your clothes today? Did you shower? Did you brush your teeth? Did you change your underwear? Like, did you put on deodorant? Like all of these things that I like, I rate on how successful I was for the day. Um, meanwhile, he has to go back into work wearing scrubs, wearing all of the masks. And he yeah. does the same thing. He strips the second he walks in the house, puts his scrubs in the wash and dryer. And they now have to work 12 hour shifts to get the same amount of patients in because they have to spread them out so much. So it's like, we're living so opposite lives. I'm sitting at home surrounded by three kids in my pajamas working from home while he is in his scrubs and um, two masks. And yes. it's just it's crazy how we're both attacking the situation. We're both fortunate to be working. So like, that's the amazing part. But then the kids also understand now that even though I'm in my pajamas, mommy's still working. Or yes is now gone by the time you consider travel time, almost 14 hours, those days that he's working. Mm -hmm. And so they've adjusted to this too. And one of the things I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm super, I don't know if I've told you I'm proud of you, but oh. I, you're, you're always a fitness person. Like you're always into a healthy lifestyle, being a dietitian and working out is part of who you are, yeah. but you in quarantine, you found yourself even more and got back to where you've been trying to get, yeah. which I admire so much that you've turned it around during quarantine when so many of us, myself included, went way the other direction. <laughs> well, let's go back to the beginning of quarantine. I gained like eight pounds. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I remember it was before the shutdowns began when people were like stockpiling toilet paper. Uh, yeah. My husband... <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> it does. My husband went to Costco and my husband, of course, very different than me when it comes to food. He bought so many snacks. And like, I... I I tell people, yes, I'm a dietitian, but I'm a human first. So when I'm surrounded by a ton of snacks, of course I ate them. But the big thing was I was no longer walking on campus at UofL to teach. I was no longer walking at work because I was working from home temporarily. All of a sudden, my activity level went down significantly. I was no longer able to go to F45, my gym, because it was closed. So all of a sudden, my activity level went down, but my snacking increased so much. And so I remember hopping on the scale like mid-April, maybe end of April, I don't remember. And I was like, whoa, I've gained eight pounds. Like, what happened? 
And I remember even putting on like my yoga pants and I felt like stuffed sausage. I was like, I've got to do something about this. And that's what I did. I was like, that's it. I'm not eating my kids snacks anymore. I'm literally going to have to just, I, I didn't complicate it. I just started walking around my neighborhood. My husband and I started doing like step challenges using our garments. Like we, we just kept it simple because we're like, you know what? We're not moving anymore. We need to like make it a point to start moving our bodies. And it kind of just went from there. And then I just found a good groove. Like you just kind of have to find your groove basically. And that's what I did. So have you been able to drop those eight pounds from snacking? Oh yeah. I dropped eight pounds plus more. I mean, I feel way better because before I gained eight pounds, I was actually doing really well. I was working on just feeling strong and having a fit body again after having a kid. Uh, So quarantine definitely stopped that, halted it significantly. But then yes, after April, like I really, you know, got it in gear and I lost eight pounds plus more. But what's so funny is my coworkers are like, Maggie, you're going to waste away. You're you're just getting so skinny. But actually I'm just super strong now. I'm just super, I feel like I'm more muscular now than I have been in a very long time. And you've obviously, this uh, fitness is part of your lifestyle and uh, being a dietitian. So health has always been, I mean, at the, literally your core of who you are, obviously you're a dietitian. That's what you stand for. You've made a career. (laughs) Yeah. But I know that after having kids, after having Sloan, you did struggle because of postpartum depression was hard for you. And then trying to find your body. And I mean, you and I have discussed this before, but some women, when they, for instance, breastfeed, they drop weight like mad. Oh, I did Um, not. Did you? Oh, no. (laughs) My body holds on to every calorie when I'm breastfeeding. And so now I'm still still breastfeeding my daughter. And (laughs) TMI. I, I'm pretty sure my boobs weigh about 10 pounds a day. <laughs> I mean, I, That's so true. Cause you got so much milk. I do. I have so much milk. So I'm over here. Like I have not gained weight. I have not lost weight since March. Now I'm. That's actually an accomplishment. Not gaining since March is huge. So, I mean, that's yes. So, I mean, I'm eight months postpartum and by now in my head, eight months ago, I was like, I'm going to definitely lose some of this weight. I'm going to do this and that. And I'm just like, I, I haven't gained anything. I enjoy late night nachos in bed while watching community, (laughs) which is, which is terrible. But it's like, that turns into me and my husband's date night because we we have wine nights. Well, we call them cocktails. I'm like, baby, pour a cocktail and I'll have a glass of wine. And like, we watch our shows. That's exactly what Brian and I do. We call them late night date nights and it's either a snack or we have a cocktail and we had a lot more cocktails in the, in the spring. We've cut back on cocktails significantly, but it's like, I, I keep wanting to wrap my brain around, like I'm part of your fitness challenge group. I see everyone posting every day and I keep thinking, I want to get there. I want to get there. But like at the same time, I don't have much more capacity between working from home and trying to figure out back to school. And I'm not trying to make excuses for myself, but it's just like, but I also know while I'm breastfeeding, like I know my body will not release the amount of weight that I'm going to be satisfied with. Could I do better? A thousand percent. We could all do better, but something I'm a big pusher of is you've got to give yourself grace and like your life right now is 
not even let's like not even account for working from home and quarantine and things like that. Let's just account for the fact that you have an eight month old. That in itself is a struggle. Like I didn't even start thinking about exercise until Sloan was eight months because life up to that point was way too hard. Well, and then to your point, I just saw you post this weekend on the about getting sleep. Yeah. My daughters, I say both of them, because even my five-year-old still gets up sometimes, but like my eight-month-old, I mean, I'm up with her minimum twice a night on a really bad night, four times a night. And if if I'm not getting proper restful sleep, I also know my body is not going to react the same way to losing weight. So it's like, I know I just kind of, you're right. I have to like give myself grace in this cycle that I'm in and try to just get past the (laughs) infants who don't sleep well and breastfeeding phase. Well, that's, I'll be able to, you're just, this is like a whole other conversation, but like the whole, the whole idea of bouncing back and getting your body back drives me insane. And that's why I tried to be careful around my words when I was talking about my journey so far is like, there is no such thing as getting your body back. You literally made humans. First of all, you can get fit again though. And that's cool. But, or you can, you know, get back into your genes, I guess, if you want to, but this whole idea of just bouncing back and not even taking into account the other factors that affect your ability to get back drives me nuts. Like the whole glorification of women looking a certain way or like how, Oh, look how fast they did it. That drives me nuts. And you don't know, like, you know, I, I recently shared my, my postpartum journey and struggle and, and I showed it in pictures on my Instagram and, um, the amount of women who messaged me was just astonishing, but beautiful at the same time, because they were thanking me for being transparent. I think that's what people lack is that transparency of like so many moms will message me and say, why didn't anybody tell me it was going to be this hard? Nobody told me I was going to be, you know, 10 months postpartum and still need to lose 20 pounds. Nobody told me how hard breastfeeding was going to be like, there's so many things that just affect you. And that's why that is a hundred percent. The reason why I started this podcast before I even got back to work from maternity leave, I felt a responsibility to help provide a village of support for women. Even if that support is just listening to other people's stories so they can hear someone like you say, stop trying to say, get your body back or understand that the fourth trimester is such a huge thing that no one talks about. No, I I didn't know it existed. No, no one does. I mean, I know so many people who have given up on breastfeeding because they didn't have the right resources to properly help them get through it, even though ultimately that's what they wanted to achieve with their baby, but they gave up because they didn't know what to do. Like that is a hundred percent why I wanted to start this because it is so important for me to share some of these things. And that's what I try to share to other people because postpartum depression affects people differently. And I have Mm -hmm. friends right now that are dealing with a couple week old babies trying to get their older kids back in school. They're dealing with postpartum and they're moving. I can't even imagine. I can't can't. even imagine. My brain would explode. And I mean, I would cry every day. And honestly, that's something else I talk to patients and clients about is it's okay to cry, like be in your feelings. Like there's so many people who say, don't cry. You can get through this effing be in your feelings. It is okay. Like this is, and so the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about how I grew up. I'm a person of color, whatnot. But this right here, this is literally my passion. This is like what gets my blood flowing. Like you could probably tell in my voice and like the way I'm speaking, like this is just like what fires me up. I love 
helping moms and women and period, just like feel so empowered because like you are so much more than like what you look like. You are so much more than what the scale says. And if you want those things, that's not bad. But like we as women, we're so much more than what we look like. Well, and that's, you have made, again, made a career, you're a dietitian. You also specialize in specifically helping working moms with their nutrition and recipes. It's what you're passionate about. And that's why it's like, I wanted to understand the foundation of who you are, even though this yeah. is where I knew we were going. I mean, I, I felt selfish the night I found out I was pregnant with our third, which again, shocking the amount of people that are like, was it a surprise? Were you planning on having another? Yeah, it's none of your business. Like, that's not appropriate. So you want to know about me and my husband's sex life? Thank you. That's not weird <laughs> yeah, at all. Um, right. But I remember saying to my husband, my body, I cried and I was like, my body. And I mean, it's not that I wasn't excited. I was in shock, but I knew that I was going to have at least the next two years between growing a human uh, giving birth to the human and then breastfeeding the baby yeah. that my body was going to be for somebody else's life for at least yeah. the next two years. And that is and a hard concept to teach new moms. Exactly. And I knew that I had already given four years to my other two children between growing them, nursing them. And then mm -hmm. I got pregnant with my second while I was still nursing my son. So I literally had no break in that for four years. So yeah. getting diving back into that four and a half years later, it was a lot to wrap my brain around. And I felt guilty for even thinking about my body, but it wasn't about gaining weight and stuff like that. It's just the sacrifice that I knew was needed to do what was best for my children for the next two years. And Absolutely. I mean, again, I'm now eight months postpartum. I'm now eight months into breastfeeding. And you're right. After my body has changed after every single baby and sometimes down to just chemistry. After having baby three, there are certain foods now that bother me that used to never bother me. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just so weird. My, my The shape of my body is somewhat the same. But I mean, I think, again, that is something that it is. It's almost like said repeatedly to women. Oh, when you get that post, that pre baby body back, when you get your body back and you assume that means the same body you had before, but there's, it's impossible yeah. for you to have the same body before you've never grown a human. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have, you might have stretch marks. Now you have loose skin. You might have whiter hips and that's honestly, it's okay. That's beautiful too. Like this whole idea of you need to maintain how you looked when you're 20 is absurd. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, all of it is absolutely absurd. And I would, I would venture to say most husbands completely still fine with the way that you look. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, I like the way that I look. I actually do think giving birth made my hips a little bit wider and I feel like I like the womanliness it's given my body. You know, I, 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 I like it, you know, and during that whole time period I was breastfeeding, I actually had boobs. I'm like, Oh, look at that. Like I actually have cleavage. I've never had that before. See, and there, there are, there are upsides to it for sure. I know that's what I keep joking around. I mean, I, to be honest, that's how my husband knew I was pregnant with baby three. Because <laughs> he was like, you're pregnant. I was like, no, I'm not. And he's like, no. <laughs> he said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, he's, I, cause I said, no, I'm not. I, you're being ridiculous. Of course I'm not. He's like, no, look at your chest. You've, they're bigger. You, <laughs> you're pregnant. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. And then he was right. I was. Um, so it's just, it's funny the way life works, but I mean, I'm so glad that you're such an impassioned advocate for women and women learning to love themselves on a much deeper level than just a number on a scale, oh because that's God. a really difficult thing to get be past is, is a scale. Oh my God. Yeah. I have my, I had two clients this week alone who let me know that they cried when they walked on the scale, which I am trying so hard to teach many people that it's just data. It's just a number. It doesn't show you the whole picture. And, and that's a process. That's, 
that is a process, but you are so much more than that. Well, and to your point, and you taught me this, I mean, so brief history on Maggie and I knew each other in kindergarten, all through grade school, middle school, high school, and then reunited again in college. And really in college is where you and I started to become much closer friends again while sitting in nutrition class, ironically. Before you were had your master's degree, before you had made this career, I remember we had to keep food journals for a health class that we shared. And I mean, I remember at that point, you started looking at my food journals and helping me literally 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Um, And then you and I actually both started dating our husbands the same fall in 2008. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's funny to me. So that's brief history of me and Maggie. Now fast forward to now 10 or 11 years since we graduated with our uh, bachelor's degrees. Yeah, I know. But that's my passion. My passion, you know, is deep, you know, like, I didn't just start liking nutrition, you know, a little bit ago, like I've, I've engulfed my life into this. I love and and my passion has just grown more specific to working moms. And I think it's, it's because kind of like you said, you know, your body has changed with each child. And I think, I think so many people don't give moms enough credit for one, how hard they work. And I do say, yes, of course I help working moms, but stay at home moms work too. And I like, I can't emphasize that enough because being a mom is really hard. And I think we're all realizing that now in quarantine. Um, but each child changes your body. And so this constant pressure to look a certain way can just be exhausting. But if you are working outside of the home or even at home now, and you're a mom, like sometimes you physically don't know or don't have the time to care for your own body because moms will literally put everybody else first before they realize they're allowed to be selfish. But another thing that I'm so passionate about is nutrition knowledge and we don't learn we don't have a formal way of learning nutrition knowledge in the school systems and so you're you have these women who like yourself you know you have three children and you want to lose the baby weight but you don't necessarily know how because you don't have the nutritional foundation and so what you end up doing is trying the next diet of the week the next fad diet and people like me who know about nutrition that can become exhausting and that's why all i want to do is reach out and like teach women, you don't have to do keto. You don't have to do Whole30. Now, let me preface that. Like, if you like those things, that's great. I I don't mean that in a negative way. But there's there's just so much that goes into it. And so women who've had three kids, four kids, whatever it is, one kid and your body is different all of a sudden, I just want to say, you know what, I can help you. It's you're gonna be okay. And yeah, (laughs) that's all. I'm just so thankful to even have you as the true nutritional foundation in my life. Luckily, I did reunite with you back in college back in 2008. And you've given me pieces of that knowledge because I try to direct people back over to you because I'll see all the crazy things on the internet. I'll see all the fads or I'll see someone being like, I'm doing this and I just dropped 30 pounds in a month. And I'm like, 30 pounds in a month. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. lot. It's probably not sustainable. Well, and see, that's the thing. And, And that's why I try to, in my mind, go back to, I know I'm, I'm, I will find my healthy lifestyle again. You have been one of those people that have taught, taught me the most about finding the healthy lifestyle. And I mean, time, I remember before you had Sloan, you used to be like, I didn't get it. There, I yeah, didn't get it. Always time. You can find time. And then it's like, sometimes there's just not time because if it means sacrificing sleep 
or time with your kids sometimes, mm-hmm. you're not willing to do it. Right. And it's just a lot. It's a lot to wrap your brain around. Being a parent in general while There's maintaining a, a career is very difficult mm. on a normal good day. <laughs> and that's why to me, I find it so insulting when somebody's like, oh, you haven't gotten your body back. I'm like, excuse me. I'm juggling quite a bit right now. The last thing I'm haven't, worried about. <laughs> if someone said to me, you haven't gotten your body back right now. <laughs> I, I, on a normal day, I feel like I, that probably would have sent me into tears and like some sort of like anxiety attack that I'm a terrible, but right now I'd probably just laugh because I mean, that's what women face. We are body shamed all the time. You're not wrong. I mean, I literally told my husband yesterday, I was like, look, here's where I'm at with my summer wardrobe because I'm clearly not getting dressed up very often. Those two pairs of shorts are the only two pairs of like real shorts that fit me. Right. Those two pairs of cotton shorts fit me and, but they're not really like nice shorts. And mm-hmm. that's all I have for right now. But I'm like, and I'm staring at a stack of 10 pairs of shorts I can't fit in right now. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. That's where I'm at. I have something that fits me in my closet. I'm not trying to impress people. I'm not going to work. I'm sitting at home like, okay, I will move past this. Although my husband, bless him, he loves me for me. And he gets so upset with me if I ever use that three-letter word against myself that I'm fat. And he was like... he gets so mad. And I'm like, you're right. I need to knock it off. That is not healthy for me to reference myself like that. And it's just, I'll get there. You will will get get there. there. And (laughs) something else is give your body credit for everything you're doing. You know, not just you, but women in general, you're working, you made three people. They're still functioning. They're still doing well and thriving. You're about to put them in school. You still have an amazing career. And I love listening to you on the radio. Like your body is the reason why you're able to move. Oh, this brings me to another point. Um, I work in cancer. You know that. Um, so, um, I love teaching my patients and my, my mom clients to say, I get to, because working in cancer literally gives me that daily dose of a reminder of how lucky we all are to have healthy bodies, able bodies to be able to get to do the things that so many people don't get to do like live a healthy life, you know, like to be honest, it's going to sound crazy, but to be overweight, like that's actually really awesome. My patients who have cancer, who are about to start chemotherapy, I actually tell them that's to their benefit because the likelihood of them losing weight is going to be very likely. And having some weight on you is actually a good thing to protect you. So there's a lot of things that we healthy body people don't really realize how fortunate we are. And so I love teaching people to say, I get to, you know, so just think about the that, that like the next time, you know, you're kind of struggling or complaining or thinking about how hard something is, but there's people out there who wish they could. See, and this is why I love you. And this is why we always <laughs> come back. And I, I know that you and I could literally go on and on about women and working women. And I know you'll be on my podcast again, and maybe we'll focus even more on this. I just knew that given the year that we were having, that we needed to start at your roots just a little bit more. But then Maggie now, I mean, you help so many women reach their goals. And I love watching the circle of people I know that I didn't realize, you know, and then they're all, they're all starting to connect the dots and you are such a common core for these women as you're, you've helped them. You've helped them find who they are again, or 
get, I say get their bodies back, but just gain control of their body in a way that makes them feel better. Yes. And, and find confidence. I love yes. making women feel more confident. Yes. Because that's the thing is like, I always want to be a person that preaches just having a positive body image, regardless of what my body may be, but being proud of who I am. And that is the thing that I miss the most. Like I tell Brian sometimes in the middle of the night when the baby's gotten me up for the 10th time and I feel like all I'm doing is going to like nurse the baby and go to work and I'm in my pajamas. I keep saying out loud, like, where is my existence? Mm -hmm. Like, where's me? Mm -hmm. And that's been the hardest part about me in 2020 and just being a new, a new mom for the third time. It's just like, I miss me. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll find her again. You There's will. pieces of me that are there. <laughs> um, you will, but this is a, just a moment in time. This is a chapter of your life and you're going to miss it. So I say, embrace it, enjoy it because it's soon enough. Little Maggie, she's going to be talking back. <laughs> she, she already talks back. <laughs> Um, she's a sassy little monster. Um, and I, she is the cutest. We call her the emotional support baby. Aww. And because she, everybody in this house and her brother and sister included always tell me, I love this baby and she's my favorite baby. And I'm so glad we have Maggie. And then my son told me yesterday, he's like, I want to have another baby. Ooh, and I, I like, like him. Nope. <laughs> I was like, I'm not having any more. And then he looks at me and he goes, I said, baby, I'm not having any more kids. And he looked at me and he goes, what if that's not God's plan? Oh my and God. I, was like, I love him so much. <laughs> I was like, well, buddy, um, daddy saw a urologist. <laughs> I didn't actually say that. <laughs> I just, I was like, you're right. Maybe it's not God's plan. <laughs> I said, he's like, but how much fun it would it be if we had another baby? I was like, no. And then we got in this conversation about twins. And what if I had four babies? It was a lot. Oh, wow. From the mind of an almost seven-year-old. And I love him to pieces. And so I just want to say your son is like the sweetest little boy on earth. He is the sweetest, best big brother ever. He is oh. the best temperament. He is the best sleeper. Bless him so much for being the only good sleeper in the house. You got to have at least one. Oh gosh, he's such a good boy. He really is a very, very good boy. So he's very uh, sweet Matthew, and kind-hearted. He is the most kind-hearted. His kindergarten teacher also said that he's always been very empathetic, which is rare for kids his age. Um, but just always worrying about somebody else. He is a very wise little boy. So, well, before I hop off here, if people do need help and are looking for someone to help guide them, especially through their help be finding that healthy lifestyle, working moms, whatever, how can they get track you down? Um, they can find me on Instagram and my handle is Maggie underscore dietitian and Maggie is spelled M A J I. And then you can also, um, go to my business page, which is roots reboot. Yes. Find Maggie. If you're looking for help, I'm telling you, she will certainly help you. Actually, I'm looking at your page right now and oh, your meals look delicious. You've become quite oh. the little food blogger too. I'm trying girl. <laughs> I'm trying. A common question I get is what do I do with this? Like, what do I do with parsley? What do I do with cilantro? And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just, I'll show you. Meanwhile, on my deck right now, I have a lot of parsley I need to use. So we'll text you later. So. Please do. <laughs> Maggie, I love you so much. Thank you for always being a light in my life as well. Since I was a mere five years old, I Aww. know that you and I are going to continue to be friends for the next 25 years because we've already set down the first more than 30. <laughs> I love you so much. I definitely think we could talk. We could talk forever. 
we could certainly talk forever. This is why we basically had a podcast for a minute because we can talk nonstop. So we'll just have Maggie on part two here in a couple months. So Maggie, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day.